Kia no mai, hi to mai, I'm Dan, welcome to the Short Vineyard Podcast, great to have you listening today. The message you're about to hear is from our current series called Eight Journeys, God Encounters That Could Change Us Forever. We want to explore this idea of being moved in 2019 from wherever we are now to wherever God is calling us to, taking whatever next step there is in our faith journey. So hopefully that's what this message encourages you to do. And stick around because at the end, I'll let you know how you could take a next step to be a further part of our church community. Right now, enjoy the message. Through this four-week series, we're looking at eight different journeys. Four weeks, eight characters, morning and night doing different characters, looking at their journeys, their God encounters. And so uh, last week, if you happened to be in the morning, uh, looking at Vic, uh, looked at uh, Saul becoming Paul, uh, and then in the evening, obviously Calvin looked at Joshua and his uh, his role in leading, you know, millions of people into this promised land and kind of everything that was attached to that. Uh, and then uh, this morning, uh, we looked at who did we look at? Really? <laughs> Esther, Esther, thank you. Uh, I knew that it would spring to my mind eventually. Esther moments, uh, just you know, courageous steps that Esther made, and and some of that that we can in, incorporate into our lives. And then next week, looking at Zacchaeus, looking at Naomi in the evening. But tonight, Lydia, Lydia gets to be in the spotlight, and we need, we get to learn from the life of Lydia. And uh, it, it, it's awesome. I, I've I've actually just really enjoyed digging into into her life. I knew a little bit about her, but not really too much. And so I'm I'm really keen to be able to just share with you. No, they're not they're not just nice stories. They're not just kind of you know feel good kind of factors. It's like what is it that we can really learn from the encounters that they had with God that we can also input into our lives. You know what. How can they shape the way that we would live and go forward into this year? But anyway, let's pray. Then we'll uh, look at Lydia. Father, we, we thank you uh, for these, these journeys, these stories that we've been looking at and that we're in the middle of looking at at the moment. And God, just as we focus around Lydia, God, I, this, I, I pray that she would speak to us, that you, through her life, uh, would just really encourage us to take those next steps forward. Thank you, Lord, that we can be as she was, Lord God. It's not out of reach. It's, it's not too far gone, Lord God. It's, it's there for us to be able to have an encounter with you and for you to shift the trajectory of our lives. So, Father, I pray that you'd use these words, use this time, speak into our lives and open our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So really, what I want to do is I just want to answer three pretty simple questions. Uh, Who was she? What was her journey? And why is this important to us? Who was she? What was her journey? And why is this important to us? One of the things that I really like about Lydia uh, is that her life is actually fairly relatable to us. You know, she's not leading an army of millions of people. Uh, she, it's, not a, it's not a road to Damascus sort of spirit, experience like Saul to Paul. She's just going about her daily business and has this encounter with God. And I think as we look at her life, each and every one of us are going to be able to actually kind of cotton on to her life fairly, uh, fairly easily. So she's in, she's in Acts 16. So if you've got your Bibles, I'd love you to flick in there, open up your phones, etc. 
Acts 16. And just to kind of set the scene a little bit as I, uh, before I read the, the text, you know, we're on Paul's second missionary trip. Uh, so he's got with him Silas and Timothy. It's possible that he's got Paul with him, his, uh, sorry, Luke with him his, as well. Um, but definitely Silas and Timothy. Uh, they've been planning to go in one direction into, uh, into Asia. But for some reason, they are, they are restricted. Um, they sense the leading of the Spirit to not go in that direction, and instead, they go to Philippi, which is where we'll find the story. Uh, so they're in, they're in Philippi, and the story of Lydia's conversion is really significant in the sense that it's the first story that we know of, first conversion story, of someone in Europe. So in terms of the spread of the gospel, Lydia starts, it's a real hinge point for the gospel itself to to extend into Europe. So here is the story with Lydia. Acts 16 and verse 11, from Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Samothrace. Not sure if I get the pronunciations right, but you'll go with me. Uh, And the next day we went to Neapolis. From there we travelled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and stayed there several days. Verse 13, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the woman who had gathered there. One of those listening was the woman from the city of Thyatira, named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. After this, there is an account of uh, Paul and Silas being thrown into prison. Of course, it's a story in itself, uh, but we're not going to focus on it here. But the important piece in the story is that when they come out from prison, verse 40 says this, When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. So they have this encounter, Lydia's sitting with these, these women at the, at the river, have this encounter, then Paul and Silas get thrown into prison and they come back. There's not, there's not too many verses in the Bible that specifically refer, refer to Lydia. I felt very grateful for that. I know that uh, Calvin had quite a bit of ground to cover uh, last week looking at Joshua. But, uh, and so there's lots of gaps. You know, There's lots of things that we don't know about this woman, Lydia. But... What we do know about her is really significant and is really important for us. So, so who was she? Let's start with that question. You know, who was this woman? Well, first of all, we know her name is Lydia. <laughs> I know, that's a great start, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Really deep theological. It's good. So the, the fact that we know her name is actually really important because if you think about it, there are heaps of people within Scripture that we don't know the names of. And so probably the reason why we know and she was revealed as being Lydia is because she was important for the story of the early church in Philippi. So she's probably a significant person within, within that context. And so we know her name. Uh, she's from uh, Thyatira, but has moved to Philippi for the purpose of business. 
So she's a, a, a dealer in purple cloth. Okay, purple cloth, big deal, whatever. Well, interestingly, interestingly, Tyrian, uh, Tyrian purple is what she deals with, but where she's from in Thyatira is well known for its red dyes. So where she's from, well known for its red dyes, but they're really common. What she deals with, these purple dyes, are really uncommon. And, what, and in fact, um, apparently, you know, when, you, when you look at the weight of them, they're more expensive than precious metals, the, the dyes that she is dealing with. Any marine biologists in the room? Uh, so apparently they're from sea snails somehow. I don't know. You can look it up. Google it. Um, but these, these purple dyes and the purple cloth that she's dealing in is really expensive. So what that means is that she's going to be dealing with high-end customers. You know, she, this, this is for the, uh, for, for the rich, for the wealthy. Uh, and, and it's why purple is used as a royal colour, you know, because it was literally expensive uh, to get hold of. So if anyone had kind of purple furnishings in their home, couch covers, you know, that sort of thing, it, it would have been highly expensive. And here is Lydia, this businesswoman, who's dealing with this purple cloth. And so she would have been of some means. And we know that she's of some means because, she, we're taken back to her house. So she's, she's wealthy enough to have her own home, and it's a home that is large enough to be able to house a group of people. So here is this businesswoman going about her daily business. She's on the Sabbath next to the river, and she has this encounter. And one of the reasons why I, I really like the, the relatability to Lydia is that she's a God worshiper. So, so she's actually not starting from zero. Like I say, it's not a road to Damascus experience, you know. She has some level of understanding of who God is, you know. She's got some warmth towards, towards Judaism. Uh, and so she, here she is, just going about her practices of wanting to dig into that, and then she hears this message about this Jewish Messiah, the story of Jesus, this message of a Savior that would come, and she's totally captivated and impacted. And so this is what we know about this woman. Who was she? And so, of course, it, it leads us, you know, what was her journey? What, what, actually, what actually took place kind of from there? You know, along comes Paul with this message. And in fact, we do have a picture. Uh, if you go a couple, Steph, thanks. This is, in fact, the, uh, the place where she was baptized. Apparently, Vic, you've been there? Yeah. So the, here is this place where she is baptized, and a radical thing happens. She invites Paul and those with him back to her house. <laughs> Doesn't that just seem absolutely radical? <laughs> her natural, immediate response was to build community with these people that she just heard this message, this story from. To surround herself, to surround those who are in her home and any others that would gather there to have a chance to be able to hear this message. And not only is it radical because of the step of community that she made, it was risky. 
it was incredibly risky for her to do that thing, to invite them back to her house. It took courage to respond in that way. There was the possible scandal of having men back to her house. For some reason, we don't know exactly, but she was obviously head of that home. She doesn't defer to another male. She doesn't defer to a husband or to an older brother or any significant male in the, in the context. And so to have a group of men uh, come into her house could have created a scandal. Uh, they, were, they were choosing to worship a new Jewish Messiah, not an emperor or some sort of ancient respected pagan god, and it could have quite conceivably ruined her business. It, w- it, it was risky. And then even more so when they're out of prison, to then accept them back into her home is even, you know, that's next level uh, risky. She risked her reputation because of the message, the story that she had just heard. And it seems that going on from there, there's, there's better than a good chance that it was her home that the church in Philippi started from. And so, you know, we have the, the book of Philippians. We, we see this incredible story of the gospel actually expanding out. And it's very, there's a, a better than good chance that it was her in her home, either leading it, at least one of the leaders. So here is this woman on this journey, just sitting by the river with a bunch of other women, has this message from Paul something in her heart you know springs open to it she's like yeah opens up her home says look we've all got to get, be a part of this and f- the rest is history so to speak it's not taking over military conquering we can do that you can do that <laughs> don't, don't you don't you just kind of think it's like you know what here's just a a woman who used what was in her hand, looked, looked at what she had to offer, and said, oh, let's, let's do it, let's go. One of my favorite sayings, and I'm sure it was in the original text of the Bible, is, have a go, you mug. <laughs> you know, just that kind of sense of God just nudging us towards, just, just have a go. And so that leads us to the question, well, what, why is this important for us, Right? And apart from the the obvious thing that we ourselves sitting in this room are influenced quite likely because of the story of Lydia and the the spread of the gospel itself, I reckon that Lydia reminds us that community matters. That community matters. You know, as we look from this theme of here to there, from where God would want us to take us to, it's important to remember that community is a part of that. You know, this, this idea of life-giving, intentional community, as Vic uh, mentioned uh, you know, just a little while ago, where we kind of, this signals the start of our community groups. You know, we don't do community groups because that's kind of what lots of churches do. We do community groups because they make a difference. And it's just, it's just a structure to facilitate what we see God doing in and amongst us. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strength to our souls. It's so vital. It's a, a natural part of how we are to do faith. You're not designed. We're not designed. I'm not designed to do it on my own. If I do that, I stuff it up. We de- we're designed to do it together in community. Lydia reminds us that community matters. 
her natural response is to expand out, to open her home and say, come on over. And it just begs the question for us as we reflect on her life, what does that look like for you, for me? What does community look like? How can, how, is there a way that we could step forward to engage in some manner this year when it comes to community? Is there an intentional step that we could make to build community amongst once now? I think the, the opportunities are, are endless. But community matters. She also shows us that the story of Jesus is worth the risk. The story of Jesus is worth the risk. I don't know about you, but you know, sometimes I can get too caught up in the kind of the 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 thoughts going on in the back of my mind. You know, what's what's this gonna mean if I if I reveal something of my faith to those people who are around me? Uh, if it's a, in a work context or in friends or, or whatever the context may be, it's like, ah, oh, I, I really do have something to say or to contribute to this sort of, but, but what will happen if I step out? Or what, what, will be the, what will be the response? You may have that question mark, you know, how will my colleagues respond to me, the, the people around me? Will I be kind of shunned a little bit, you know? But I think Lydia just reminds us that, that those sorts of risks are worth it for the story of Jesus, for the message of Jesus. She simply looked at what she had to offer and thought that it was worth the risk to step out and do something. Yes, with wisdom, of course. Make it, don't be an idiot about it. <laughs> but have a go. I um, Early on this week, uh, I think it was Monday, we, we were doing a job, um, so we being myself and just uh, my employee Matt, we were doing a job in an, an elderly woman's home, um, and uh, it, it was fine, she was totally lovely, it was, all, it was all good, and she wanted to pay up front, and so that was fine, so uh, we, we have a little FBOS machine thing that we use, so we swiped her card and it declined, and it wasn't actually a big deal, you know. She was a little bit embarrassed about it, but it wasn't, it wasn't a completely uh, unforeseen thing for her. So we made a little arrangement, got it all sorted, carried on. And then during the, uh, during the job, um, uh, Matt, my colleague, uh, leans over to me, and you can imagine, he, he's trying to be subtle about it, but we've got really loud machines going. <laughs> so he's, he's leaning over to me, trying to be subtle, saying, Stanley, I'll... I want to pay for the job. But of course the machines are sorry. He's actually yelling. <laughs> but I was like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, and so, so he just quite subtly and sneakily um, just you know, paid, paid for the work to be done. Um, which obviously is uh, you know, the guy who's getting paid. Anyway. And... Uh, and so we you know, got to the end of the job, uh, just leaving, and told her the good news. Um, and, and she was really impacted. And then, and then Matt just, Matt's a Christian, and took just a little moment and said, look, I just sense that you've done this for other people, and that it's good for you to have a moment where you receive it. You know, just that, just that little step further to go beyond just a nice thing to do, a risk that he took. In the, in the moment, to, 
you know, some, it's funny, isn't it? To do nice things for people is actually kind of feels quite risky. Like it feels fun, but it's but it's kind of risky, you know. And I was really, uh, I, you know, I was quite taken by, and and she was obviously really impacted by it. There were tears, and she, they were hugging. It was it was lovely. It was a really lovely moment. And um, and I was just, it it just reminded me. It's worth taking that risk, you know. We're not here to just live kind of mundane, sort of ordinary lives. We're, we're here to step out, and it challenged me, you know. When was the last time that I did something like that? When was the last time that I stepped out and just followed that nudge of the Holy Spirit to, to do something that felt risky to me, whatever it might have looked like? And I guess the same is true for you, you know. The same question is a good question for you to ask yourself, you know. When was the last time that you stepped out, that you, that you did something risky uh, for God? Lydia was prepared and she just she shows us that the story of Jesus is worth the risk, you know. It's a good story. <laughs> There's one aspect of the story that I, I I want us to just to kind of conclude and finish on. And to be honest, it's the it's the thing that I've kept coming back to uh, as I've been preparing and thinking about tonight. And it's that change starts with an open heart. Change starts with an open heart. You know, in verse 14, uh, it says, The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. It's incredibly simple, right? In theory. (laughs) But when we think about changes... There needs to be, at the first instance, an openness. And I love that in Lydia's life, we see that openness. That's, that's where it started from. Just an open heart. Have you ever had one of those closed heart conversations? I'm sure you have. <laughs> you know, like you're trying to have a conversation with someone and they're like, you may be presenting an idea or you know something to change or to shift, and they just they don't want a bar of it, you know, like they've just they've closed off. It's like nah, doing it this way, whatever. And then on the flip side, it's just a it's a joy to have a conversation with someone who's open-hearted, isn't it? You know, if you're talking about something new together, even a even a conflict with an open-hearted person is a good thing, because you come at it with this idea, you know what? I've, I've probably got something to learn here and I probably don't have all the answers and so let's talk. But any sort of significant change, you know, when we talk about going from here to there, these, these journeys that God might want to take us on, it's got to start with an open heart. There's it, it, got to be this openness to ask the question, God, what are you, what are you saying here? Where are we going? What, what do you want to do? For, for Lydia... Uh, her heart was obviously open to change. She wanted to find out more. She was, I can just kind of imagine her uh, you know, bringing the crowd back to her place and just being inquisitive, kind of just asking question after question. She wanted to lean in, so to speak. Maybe that's just my imagination, but I'm, I'm sure that that's kind of part of the journey for her. And I was thinking about the statement that could be uh, in rebuttal to this, the Lord opened her heart. You know, that, that kind of thought. Someone could say, well, it was the Lord that did it. It wasn't anything to do with Lydia's ability to open her heart. It was, you know, so God's just got to turn up and do it for me. Thank you very much. But I think in reality, we, we know that that's, 
it's not a very good rebuttal because I think that God can often be kind of tapping us on the shoulder, stirring us about something, and it's actually really easy for us to shut it down. It's, it's, it is easy for us to say, oh, no, another day, uh, it's too hard, don't want to go in that direction, you know, and we can, we can not have an open heart, but I want to be, I want to be in my 70s and 80s and 90s, and I, I want to be one of those people who's, who's open to learn, is, inquisi- is inquisitive, has, lives with an open spirit, an open heart. The reality is that her open heart led to an open house. Her open heart led to an open house in the expansion of the gospel as we know it. Just because she had an open heart to be able to hear it. How's the openness in your heart going? Is it open to new possibilities, new adventures, new God stories, changes? Or has it become cynical and skeptical? <laughs> Aren't those nice words? Just as I draw to a close, Carrie Newhoff, one of my uh, favorite podcasters at the moment, cynics never change the world. Instead, they tell you how they know why the world can't change. Cynics never change the world. Open-hearted people are curious. They ask questions. They want to know more. They, they don't have all the answers, but they're happy to grow and to learn more. And imagine the possibilities for us as a community if we were to live not like that, with open hearts. Imagine what it could look like in your life, in your world. And I actually, I I just want us to wrap up tonight. And I want to create a little bit of space for, for you in two kind of camps, I guess. One is that you sense that you have become cynical and that there is a desire for you to open your heart again. You know, cynicism is not an age thing. It just happens through life. You know what, it'll, just, it'll happen to you if you're, not, if you're not proactive about it. And so I want to just create some space. If you sense that for whatever reason there's been a closing of your heart, Maybe something's taken place or a situation's come up that's just caused you to just kind of think twice about stepping out or whatever it may be. Or I guess the other camp, so to speak, is you sense something stirring. You do have that sense of openness about you and there's actually something that you really sense in your spirit that God's stirring for you. And whatever that might look like on the outside, we, I just love to stand with you and say, yes, God. Those, those things, those possibilities, as we reflect on Lydia's life, I would pray and hope that it would encourage you to be bold and to step forward with that sense of openness that God can. So would you just stand with me for a moment? And I'm just going to pray and then we'll just leave some space. If you want to come forward, please do. This is a family. Just, it's safe. 
Nothing weird or crazy is going to happen. It's just a chance to be able to have someone stand with you. If you feel like, for whatever reason, there's a sense of closeness to your heart, or if you sense God really stirring about something in particular in your world, and you just want someone to stand with you and to pray into it, we'd love to do that. And then just as you're ready, just feel free to hang out in the foyer, catch up, and then we'll be back again next week. Lord, we so thank you for who you are. God, just these few kind of specific verses that refer to Lydia, God, just reveal so much about her and who you were to her and who you can be to us. And so, Lord, I just pray in this moment, Father, that we would be encouraged to walk forward with you with open hearts. I pray even just in this moment right now, Lord, that you would reveal to us, God, anything that has caused our hearts to become closed. We thank you that as our provider, our healer, God, you're able to minister into those situations and bring that healing. We love you, Lord. Well, that is going to do it for this edition of the Shaw Vineyard Podcast. Real quick, before you go, if you haven't already, it would be a great idea to subscribe to the podcast, especially if somebody sent this to you so that you don't miss when the next episode gets published. And if you are on Auckland's North Shore and in the Forest Hill or the Bays area, we'd love to host you in person at one of our services, either 10 a.m. or 5 p.m. this coming Sunday. It would be our honour to host you as a guest this weekend. Whatever is in store for you for the rest of the day, the rest of this week, I hope it is a good one. And we'll see you next time here on the Shore Vineyard Podcast.